Oh, hang on. Yeah, what are we calling this podcast? <laughs> Was it over underrated? Over underrated. Sous évalué. Welcome to Over Underrated, your new favourite podcast, hopefully, where me and Babs discuss bands we think are overrated and underrated and try and put in some sort of uh, tenuous link. So I'm Babs, I'm originally from Portugal, but I grew up in the UK and I'm now living in Belgium. I come from a fairly musical family, my mum played the guitar and my dad played the piano and they encouraged me to play a bunch of instruments as well. I was a DJ at my student radio station at university and I actually did DJ for a radio station in Luxembourg where I used to live. Shout out to Radio Aura, Aura City Radio. Broadly I like rock, electro, 80s music. I am not really a fan of more melodic rock which I think is going to be in a bit of opposition to my co-host Fran. Despite that I can't wait to push a whole list of underrated bands onto him and force him to like them under duress. Babs has introduced herself, so I should do the same. My name's Fran, and I'm, as you can tell, English. I have worked in music stores back when they were a thing. I've DJed and written for numerous musical websites, so I guess I have some knowledge on music. Um, hopefully that's enough to have my own podcast. I can strum the guitar but I have never been able to do a guitar solo on a cliff face like Slash. This week we are discussing a Britpop legend's Oasis and Underdog's Shed 7. I have chosen Shed 7 and Abams has chosen Oasis as her overrated act. We make each other a playlist of 10 songs that we think may change their opinion and then discuss. Over underrated. Sous évalué. sottovalutato. Okay, welcome to the Over Underrated podcast with Babs and Fran. So we've decided to start a podcast um, because you know there aren't enough already, uh, especially mm-hmm. recorded during lockdown, and we're both big music fans and big comedy fans and you know we needed something to do and um yeah i have too many opinions and i feel that the world needs to hear my opinions because i'm more important than everybody else and i'm here because i'm a woman and the world doesn't hear my opinions enough so i'm here to balance it out right (laughs) amen sister so yeah so we we've been discussing what would be a good theme for a music podcast what hasn't been done before and we came to the conclusion that there's a lot of big bands that we think are overrated and lots of smaller bands that we're very passionate about and we want to promote them more so we thought we'd come up with uh with this over underrated theme where fran and i will be pushing each other's music taste on each other and potentially getting into some big arguments hopefully fingers crossed i think like fran I'm very passionate about music, but I don't really listen to lyrics very much. This is true, this is true. I, I always uh, find out years later that I've been singing the wrong lyric for a long, long time. And I guess I feel like a bit of a hypocrite if I say it's all about the lyrics, because I don't ever read poetry, to be fair. If a song has good lyrics, it's a bonus. If a song has terrible lyrics, it might put me off. But most of the time, I'm pretty not aware of what they're really singing about. 
yes, on that I can completely agree with you, Fran. I think good lyrics enhance a song, but they are not necessary for a good song. But in doing the research for this podcast, I actually did look up lyrics because, you know, I was surprised with some of them, impressed by others. And, um, well, we'll be talking about Shed 7 in a second. Some of Shed 7's lyrics definitely enhance the music. Really? Rick Witter yeah. has never been really uh, mentioned about how his uh, lyrics have been. So I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. Good old, good old Rick. Yeah, and you know, he's, he's um, doing handwritten notes, handwritten like lyric sheets that he's signing on his website, by the way. I don't know if you know this, but uh, if you want to support him a bit more, that's something you could go and do. Hey, he's got a family, guys. Help out, help, help out, Shed7. Underrated. So, so yeah, that's us. Um, and for the first episode, we decided to go for Britpop. So I was born in 1987. I'm a child of the 90s, but I was quite young, you know. So in, in 99, I was, I was still... Uh, you know, 11, 12 years old. So for me, Britpop is kind of, yeah, stuff that's on the radio. I know the kind of biggest hits, but um, I wasn't really into it in a very deep way. In the 90s, um, I think I was getting into the 80s whilst the 90s was happening and it took me a few years to catch up. So I was kind of, I kind of got into Shed 7 as they ended. So I think... Nice. I found my own, which I think is why I like Shed 7, because I wasn't around the naysayers. I just listened to the music when, you know, they had been and gone, so I can make my own opinion. And, um, and yeah, and like the other band we're going to talk about, Oasis, I think mm. that, I think that, yeah, well, I think that Oasis may have been affected by how popular they were at that time, and how, you know, how much they drowned all the music industry with their music, so, you know. You know, I've already said boo. I'm willing to have my opinion changed on Oasis, but I definitely have some very strong opinions. So why don't we start with... Well, actually, do we start with Oasis or do we start with Shed 7? Let's start with, with Shed 7. Let's start with the good before we hit to the bad. Underrated. Okay. So you feel... You chose Shed 7, Fran, because you feel that they're an underrated band from the Britpop era. Yeah, yeah. I, so obviously, like I said before, when I got into Britpop circa 1999, I then found it interesting, like, looking back at what bands were kind of, you know, like, seen as landfill indie and, you no know, other runners. And I thought, well, hang on, like, Shed Seven songs are pretty... <laughs> like, why are they any worse than Oasis? I, I don't understand why bands like For Long Pigs and Gene, like, why they're being dismissed. That Their work's quality. So, yeah, so, like... I was so I got into Ted Seven and and after listening to all the albums, you know they're not like they're not going to change the world. They're not, you know, but I mean, they weren't the same roses. They didn't change the indie scene, but they aren't like a poor man's oasis. I think they have you know, deeper songwriting. They try to do uh, a lot more varieties of indie rock than than Oasis, for example. They've got their own sound. Rick's got his own voice. You instantly know it's Ted Seven. Uh, I think um, that Paul's guitar playing, you know, is 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 beautiful. I, I love the um, I love his melodic sort of playing. It's it's kind of like Johnny Marr and you know and John Squire, not sort of different counter melodies. Yeah, I mean, I know they got slagged off because of the name and like when they appeared on on TV in the UK, 
I take it that they didn't take themselves seriously at all and always be joking around. And I think people assume that they're not a serious rock band because they piss up themselves all the time. And maybe people then dismiss them thinking, oh, it's only said seven. This is sad because that's, I know, as you, as you not being, you know, from a different country and also growing up as a, a different age, you may not be affected by what the press was saying about Shed Seven in the 90s. Because obviously, I got into me, I think, I think when the Best of came out in 1999, and like the NBA Maker were sort of like, you know, talking about their career going as a bit of a joke. And yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, the British music press can be absolutely brutal and definitely kind of picks favourites and elevates them beyond anything uh, and can be very sneery about other people. And sometimes, you know, it changes as well. They can really like someone and then not like them the same day. You know, I was telling you that I was reading a book about the Strokes and kind of the garage rock revival in New York. And so much of the Strokes' success is how much the enemy were promoting them uh, as the as the cool kids. That's why they they made it out so quickly beyond the kind of small New York bubble that they were playing in. So yeah, Shed 7 and one of those bands. So my, my impressions, I was like, it's a band from the Britpop era. They weren't as successful. And yeah, when I, when I went to look at Spotify, I, I was pleasantly surprised to see that they're averaging 315,000 monthly listens, which I think is, is decent. If, they're, if you're saying that they're a band that is not, is not as big. I discovered also that Dodgy have 250,000 monthly listens, which that surprised me because all I can remember is, yeah, their kind of main song. And yeah, so the way that this works is that Fran made me a playlist of his 10 favorite Shed 7 songs and I, I went off and listened to them. And with Shed 7, I, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't heard of any of them before. And yeah, it, it, most of them felt very Britpop. I was like, yes, this is the sound of Britpop. But there are definitely others where they're, they're, they're trying to do something else a bit more interesting, like adding strings or, or something like that, or, you know, kind of doing a bit more ballady things and... And yeah, it was more varied and interesting, I have to say, than I thought it would be to listen to Shed 7. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, because obviously I know as which of their songs were the, the, the big hits. So mm-hmm. it would be interesting out of those 10, which ones you thought were the best songs, comparing to their actual success. Absolutely. So she left me on Friday. I cannot believe I hadn't heard this song before. It's so catchy. I, I love it. It's, I've been listening to it, you know, outside of doing the research for this podcast. I love, you know... It, it opens with the lyrics. It's very clear that, you know, that's definitely a song where the lyrics are front and center and it definitely enhances it. I, I love the attitudes. I love the breakdown. The, the vocals are very impassioned. I, I really enjoyed that song. So when that came out, they got accused of, of nicking that from Blur. It was like Shed 70 Blur was what that song was called. And yeah, and like, so to me, it gets tainted because like, yeah, okay, I, I get it. It is a bit blurry. But were they influenced by blur? I'm, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. I think they, still, they do their own thing more than still. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see the comparisons, but I don't see why they would get picked on over any of the other bands that you mentioned before for, for imitating them. And it's it's from 98, right? So it's, it is the yeah. same era. Also, like, because they're from York which isn't really the the hip capital of the UK. I actually wrote this down. I wrote this down. I was like, they are from York. I cannot think of any other bands off the top of my head that are from York. Exactly. Um, So yeah, they're always the outsiders, you know. So I think the people who like Shed Seven love Shed Seven, which is why they have a loyal following to this day, because, you know, outsiders will stick together and be loyal. It's a bit like Manson. Like, Manson fans are as passionate now as they were 25 years ago. It's... It's insane. I think bands wow. of Oasis 
will be a bit more forever. So you get people who know, you know, the first two Oasis albums, and then that's it. But with Shed Seven, their fans are like hardcore fans, and when they came back, you know, in over the last few years, they now play to bigger venues than we did in the mid nineties. They played, I think, in Manchester wow. to like ten thousand people, which is bonkers. I guess you know that might be sort of I'm thinking parents and other people introducing the music to like a newer generation, so so they they come along with them. Yeah, like you you put one of the songs that you put on the playlist that was from 2017, "Nothing to Live Down." I wrote interesting to see that their sound has developed, but somehow stayed very Shed Seven. You know, like there is it is an evolution, but it still is very Shed Seven. <laughs> that song is the most Shed Seven song on a new album. They if you listen to the album on a whole. Like the comeback song, I think is like um, "Room in My House." That's almost Led Zeppelin. Like it's got some like some mean um, riffs on it. Um, uh, but, but you don't like Led Zeppelin, if I remember hearing correctly. The song I put from the last album, "Instant Pleasures," probably was their most shared seven song from that from that album. Which is a bit unfair, but like yeah, yeah. I mean that album came out and like it got proper airplay. Decent. No, it, it, they actually had a really good push of it. And yeah, and that's the first album since like two thousand and two or three and who who'd have thought yeah. that said everyone would be making good albums and that's it i think i i really don't like it when when people are kind of snobby about comeback albums or you know they're like oh are they only doing it because they need to make money and i'm like well i think more than anything <laughs> like you're not in music these days to make money you know even if you can tour and and as you know if you're saying they can fill venues okay but like you know I think from just from listening to that song, it was a bit too poppy for me. That's that's what I wrote down. But I, you know, there's there's passion in it, and because it does sound so Shed Seven, I'm I'm sure the fans love that album. Over underrated. Sous évalué. Over underrated. So can I hear your thoughts on? Dolphin, that's the earlier single from the... That was my second favourite. That was really? the second favourite, but, but you put specifically the Chris Sheldon mix, right? So my notes are, clicked with this one immediately, loved the percussion and the sometimes woozy, crunchy guitars, and the instrumental section at the end is great. I, I, I really, I think, yeah, She Left Me On Friday was my favourite, this was my second favourite. Yeah, with Dolphin, I like how um, the chorus progresses each time it comes around. So you get like, shame on me, and then the next time it goes on and on, and then on the third time he repeats it like three or four times, so he adds another line each, each chorus, that's, what it, that's its, its knack for me. Yeah, um, it's, you know, it's one, you know, I'm categorising this into, I've, you know, I liked it, I didn't like it, and I liked it so much I saved it to my Spotify library, so that one was one I've saved to my Spotify library. I have no idea what it's about, but I assume that Rick's angry for some reason. Is that the, the lyric that I, I've put in that I liked is, would you give blood if you had any? Mm, what does it mean? So yeah, so Dolphin, again, isn't a big hit. Like, if I played um, Dolphin to somebody who wasn't a massive fan of Shed 7, I doubt they'd ever heard of it. So it's interesting to say far, but it's the songs you like are not their biggest hits. Yeah, I feel, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. I feel like that happens a lot. There, there are some bands where, yeah, like I will like the the kind of the hits but very often i do love an album track or you know a more deep cut and you know i'm not i know that makes me sound incredibly pretentious but it's it, i'm i'm really if anything in my as i get older i'm trying to be as unmusic snobby as possible you know 
we're you know we're, both of us are over 30 and i think what i quite enjoy about modern music is how it doesn't seem to be one genre that is dominating you know yes hip-hop is more popular now than than rock but i think people are, are a bit more open-minded in terms of what they're gonna want to listen to um and i definitely felt that when i was a teenager you know it was like indie or bust this is all you can listen to otherwise like you're an idiot i i get the impression that there's less scenes anymore so you people either like urban or rock but back in my day back in my day if you like indie what sort of indie is it you know are you into grunge are you into you know and it mattered and and people would dress to into regarding what scene they're into you know you know like very true i, true. I, I feel like like obviously about, i think obviously 15 years ago you probably had to emo kids but now like walking through streets you probably don't know particularly what music people are into from how they yeah. dress it so yeah so i think it has changed like i guess spotify has just blended it all together for people and people aren't clinging to a certain scene maybe because the enemy doesn't exist as much anymore the enemy would was a massive yeah. creator of scenes wasn't it people would read in the enemy oh right this is a new scene it's called shoegaze let's get let's listen to all the albums now and form an opinion yeah yeah then someone say oh i'm, in, I'm a shoegazer now and i, I don't think that's as much of a, of a thing anymore obviously I, I think obviously urban music is probably bigger than ever so maybe in the urban in, maybe in like you know on the in the um in that scene maybe there's lots of different versions of grime and i'm just too old to not know you know <laughs> I, I, so i'm i'm really only more recently getting into hip-hop and i feel like i'm barely scratching the surface but yeah. what i what i definitely feel is that there is so much more kind of alternative hip-hop you know it isn't i i feel like so growing up as a teenager in the early noughties, all the rap that you heard was kind of gangster rap and Eminem, which I guess could be almost be a gangster rap as well. Like it was very kind of hyper-masculine, um, you know, decent beats and stuff like that. But now when I, when I listen to the, the small variety of hip hop that I listen to, like it's very broad, you know, you have stuff like Azalea Banks where she's doing a lot of rapping over kind of electronic beats and covering yeah. Interpol and Peter Bjorn and, and John and stuff like that um and and yeah i think it's it's so interesting there's there's such a huge variety already in the mainstream so i can't imagine what it's like if you if you really get into it but uh but anyway shed seven <laughs> <laughs> well, so what is your least favorite out of, out of your 10 songs then? so my least favorite chasing rainbows i i just i put too slow too droney i'm afraid and going for gold which i know is one of the i think that they're, they're two of the biggest songs right chasing, yeah, they yeah. literally are their two biggest songs and probably the only two songs you'd ever hear on uk radio yeah so going for gold when i was searching for it i saw that they performed it on live and kicking which I would have watched in uh, in 1996 when it came out, absolutely. But yeah, I, I wrote, as soon as the country guitar started, I knew I wouldn't like it too much. Then I put, sounds like a mix of James and Blur. Sounds like it could soundtrack a VT or a 90s sitcom, brackets, and probably did. Um, so <laughs> it, it sounded very familiar. I think there was another one. I mean, I can tell you what it does soundtrack. Chasing Rainbows and Going for Gold soundtracked Euro 96. Ah, uh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> That football tournament was soundtracked by every Britpop band. And when England lost the penalties, I think that cast Walk Away was playing. Yeah, as England wiped away a tear. I feel like I definitely remember Eat My Goal by Collapsed Lung playing a lot. It, it, well, I don't know if it was 96, but I feel like 
It was like, six. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's an, an unofficial, one of, one of the unofficial songs of that tournament. I think I had like a mixtape, official mixtape, which had like three lines, you know, by Biddle and Skinner. It ha- and it had like it had like Eat My Goal. It had like England Irie by um, uh, who's that? Black Grape. Was that? Oh, yeah, wow, okay. and, and Joe oh. Strummer. It had any football-related song and loads of Britpop bands on the same um, compilation. That sounds like an interesting compilation. I'm sure it might be on Spotify. Yeah, I think it's called A Beautiful Game. It's got the Wanna Dies on there too. And yeah, and yeah, so Shed 7 in 96, I think, were played quite a lot. Going for Gold, I'm not a big fan of. Chasing Rainbows, I think I've heard too many times, but I think it's still got a great chorus to it. But yeah, but the song that got me into Shed 7 was their song for the greatest hits, which was This Go Down. Which I enjoyed. I wrote Jamiroquai crossed with the seahorses, question mark. <laughs> Well, that's that's what it felt like to me, uh, and an absolutely kind of left turn as well. Yeah, I I enjoy Shed Seven's left turns. Yeah, <laughs> and that was yeah, and then the Le Ligue guitar player quit after that, and um, okay. um, then he only made one album after he quit, and on that mm-hmm. from that album is the song Cry for Help, which is on your compilation. Yes, yeah, so Cry for Help, Eyes. So I wrote, took a while for me to form an opinion. At first, I thought I didn't like it. The acoustic guitar and vocals were a bit sparse, but on a second listen, I liked it more. And um, I, I really like the strings. Do they have more songs with them? Well, for that album, they had a keyboard player. So I believe they're probably synth strings. So yeah, so he added a few more textures for that, for that album. But if you notice, it's got the same um, structure as Dolphin. So each, part, each chorus adds every time so at first you just get acoustic guitar and then you get piano and then on the third time you, you then get strings he keeps adding as it goes along so what's it quite like that's, that's like i didn't notice that but that is really cool and i think that's why you know i needed to have repeat listens to kind of form an opinion mm. because it changes so much that there were there were quite a few songs where i was like i don't i don't know what my opinion is of this uh, that one and, and hanging on the outside was another one. I put one B side on there just to prove that they can do decent yeah. B sides. Yeah. Some bands have better B sides than A sides. You know, no, <laughs> no shame in that. But um, I'm just sad that, like, so their, their lost album, we were like a lost album um, from like 2004, I believe. Yeah, they never finished it. And then they just basically, basically gave the fans the demos. And their songs, right. their songs from that album which I would say are the best Shed 7 songs of all time. And I'm shocked that they have not now re-recorded them because um, I think it's, it's called um, No One Likes You When You're Down and Out. I absolutely, absolutely adore. And it's so sad that that's not on Spotify. And thing. I mean, I'm, I'm happy I've got the CD. But like, if, seriously, if they re-recorded that and had a push, it would be a hit as far well, I, I think it, it would be. Well, Rick and the boys, you heard it here first. Please, please <laughs> record and share to a wider audience uh, because, yeah, clearly, clearly it's worth it. But yeah, for all lovely sisters, I've, I've interacted a few times, like through social media or a couple times in real life, and they come across as the most average, lovable guy down the pub. They have no ego whatsoever, and I think that's also oh, why people sorry. like him. Well, and I mean, I don't know if you're ready to finish it, but that's a nice segue into yeah. precisely why I hate Oasis. <laughs> Hello, and thank you for listening to the first half. And I'm sure thousands and thousands of you are now massive Shed 7 fans. And remember to try and track down one hand clapping, which is their 
fifth album demos because it's beautiful. And now sit back, stay tuned for Oasis. Overrated. So, you know, I think it was really interesting to have Shed 7 as the contrast to Oasis because I, I, it made me realise if Oasis had the level of fame of Shed 7, I wouldn't mind as much. I don't think it's... I, I don't really like much of their music, but I think what annoys me more than anything is just, yeah, the level of fame and the level of adoration that they receive. Um, and yeah, the day that we're recording this is the, is the day when Noel Gallagher has been saying that he... Uh, he, you shouldn't wear a mask and people are surprised and I'm like he's an asshole he's known for being an asshole everyone loves his put downs and, and everything why is everyone surprised that he continues to be Oh, how often does an old Gallagher really go shopping in Home Bargains to need to wear a mask? I'm pretty sure he can get away with not interacting with anyone. So Yeah, or, or sending someone else. Um, I'm guessing, do you know the quote from Kelly Okoraki from Bullock Party about Oasis? I remember the, the beef at times. Wasn't it like Noel Gallagher was having a go at him because of Ed K or something? Yeah, basically he said, he said that Block Party were like a, a, a university challenge band. Right, that, that was that was the insult. insult which, I mean, okay, I'm, I'm only human. It, it is a little bit funny, but I we could we could tell what he was getting at. And Kelly Okereke's response, he said, "I think Oasis is the most overrated and pernicious band of all time. They have had a totally negative and dangerous impact upon the state of British music. They have made stupidity hip. They claim to be inspired by the Beatles, but and this saddens me, they have failed to grasp that the Beatles were about constant change and evolution. Oasis are repetitive Luddites, which is what I call the playlist that I sent you repetitive Luddites." <laughs> And I mean, when, when, when Kelly O'Reilly said that, I was like, yes, Kelly, I'm, I'm with you. But I have to, reflecting on it at an old age, I know that so many musicians that I like were really inspired by Oasis. I know Billy Lund from the subway said that he picked up a guitar after seeing um, Oasis live. And part of me thinks that my, my kind of deep hatred for them is a bit of snobbishness. Like, I think my parents were a little bit snobby and, you know, they're working class lads. Made, made good who were very confident in themselves and their own abilities and you don't you don't see that often enough so you know maybe 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 it was some kind of inherent summary within me but just you know it, i don't like musicians with a video like that and um you know i think we discussed before hang on actually did i discuss this with you or did i hear it on a podcast who knows um no that was so yes the so the, the comedy podcast to begin the idiots, Carl Donnelly was saying that he still hasn't forgiven Oasis for what they did to In Excess at the, at the Brits. Actually, I've heard that podcast an hour before we started recording today. Okay, exactly. And I was like, yes, Carl, I totally agree with you. So uh, Oasis were presented an award by Michael Hutchinson in, in Excess, and Noel said something along the lines of, has-beens shouldn't present awards to gonna-bees. And uh, that's just, I mean, that's just so harsh. And, and, and I'm, I'm also a bit biased because there's this very, you know, sad documentary about Michael Hutchins where they talk about that and they talk about how Michael Hutchins was quite upset by that because he was always kind of championing the, the newer bands and things like that. And yeah, I think there's so much of mythology and law is just, yeah, the Gallagher brothers and how they insult everyone and how they fight everyone. And that really annoys me. But then also their music is just very repetitive. And I think like you were saying with Sutton Shed Seven songs, it was just everywhere, all the time. Like it's the only band, and maybe you know, with bands like Gene and the Long Pigs and, and other people who came along, 
they were kind of promoted because they were having a similar sound to Oasis, but then everyone was compared against Oasis and Blur, and that was, that was quite unfair. Yeah, and I mean, I've never liked bands um, promoting anything apart from the music. I do not give a shit if you're working class or posh. What has that got to do with the art you make? And people go, oh, I love Oasis, working class heroes. But, yeah, but so many bands are working class, they never need to mention it. You know, it's like, what's that got to do with anything? Like, like, it's like, well, I mean, I, I guess, I, I understand, in terms of, you know, if, I, I guess, this is, this is very difficult to say as clearly a middle-class person, but representation is important. And I think if you if you see someone who sounds like you and looks like you doing something so great and amazing, it can be inspiration. You know, it's like, you know, Genesis didn't need Pink Floyd to be like, wow, okay, you know, these guys have done it, so now I, I can go on to do it. It's like, posh. There's a lot of bored kids at Eton doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and Pink Floyd, and now these guys have, um, yeah. <laughs> Having them bickering 
yeah, yeah. and so, so yeah, yeah it, it, it was it was interesting. interesting. It's, it's nice having cartoon rock stars, and at a time, you know, they have great courses. You know, they had courses to be sung at football stadiums, which that's literally what they did. But unfortunately, um, cut to five years later, and they had the same striker, but the courses had been, you know. Diminished through time, you know, <laughs> and they were struggling to get, you know, those songs. And then, and as they went along, they seemed to steal more and more ideas from other people. And you never really knew what Noel Gallagher was. Like, what is his own sound? Like, he he does seem to be. No, I guess no, people say that Madonna does a similar thing. You know, like you know, using the zeitgeist to you know to cop. But I don't think Oasis was doing that. I think it's just. A bit lazier. Maybe, maybe that's why when he went solo, he's he's changed to be more electronic. Maybe he maybe he got bored and felt like he couldn't do anything for Oasis anymore, and felt like he was only able to do that certain music because obviously Liam Gallagher refused to let him do anything electronic. That's why they sound so boring after a while. Because you know. Yeah, and I mean, it must be stifling for them because they were, you know, those first three albums. They were so big. And the fans would expect more of the same, for sure. I think if Oasis had done a kind of Radiohead Kid A, like, there would have been an outrage. So I'm sure that their kind of, yeah, solo projects have given them a bit more freedom. I actually haven't really listened very much to their solo projects. Have you? Like, what do you think? I have. I've not listened to Noel's last, but I heard the first rounds, and they're fine. You've got a couple of decent... Songs, um, which is basically what Oasis always had. The two or three decent ones. Um, Liam's album just seemed like just you know just tired of Oasis for me. BDI. I mean, I've seen. I've not seen Oasis live. I have seen BDI, No, and Liam separate. So um, I can't. Yeah, so obviously, but I have I have friends who went to that. You know, the Nebworth um, Oasis gig. And they said that I, I couldn't see or hear anything, but you know, the sort of concert that you, you can tell whatever you went to, but he didn't actually enjoy it because he doesn't remember being able to hear or see a single thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that, um, you know, Liam's fun as for what he is. I, I would never idolise him or have a connection to him. Does he write music or, or is just written by other people? Is that enough for people? Um, so yeah, one day Oasis is going to um, reform. And then maybe make another disappointing album if everyone wanted to buy. My favourite Oasis song is Stockin' in the Bushes from Standing on the Shoulders of Giant. And Fran said, Oh, so you like the Oasis song that sounds at least like Oasis once again? And I said, Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, I think that's it's genius. It's, it, that has swagger in a way that's quite original. You know, the instrumentation, the choir, the, the extracts from, is it, you were saying Isle of Wight in 1970. That, so I, I think that's brilliant. But I, I, I will sing Wonderwall at Wedding. I will sing Don't Look Back in Anger, right? They're, they're, on, they're on my hate list. But it's, you know, I, I don't deny their catchiness, but I, it just annoys me that they are as big as they are and played as much as they were in, in the 90s. I think that um, Back in the Bushes, um, that is the sound that Noel Gallagher wanted to make the album, but... The rest of the band said, you know, they do 
I've seen that's what happens. Because, yeah, that's the most interesting song now, I've been really. Yeah, it's really good. And yeah, the only other two songs that I like by Oasis are the importance of being idle. And I think, you know, that's swayed a little bit by the music video. I don't know if you remember the music video. And, and yeah, it was just fun a lot. And so, yeah, as much as, like, you know, I had a grudge against Oasis already back then, but that kind of wore me down. The only song from the kind of... The, the peak that I, I like is Supersonic. Really, see, I just find that we meet and potato pub rock. I mean, the song also you got me in spark my interest was Live Forever. I think Live Forever is a fantastic pop song. And, uh, and, and, and I asked my dad, <laughs> my dad who plays guitar, I got him to teach me how to play that. So, you know, I can see why they inspire people because they have songs that teenagers could quickly learn how to play. You know, that's why they inspire a lot of people because. It was few chords, you know, or Beatle, Beatle chords. And they're songs that you can learn and pick up. And you know, I've seen a lot of bands were inspired because it's simple. You know, their first albums had simple melodies and quite easy to pick up. So of the first album, I love Forever, Slide Away. I do not think Definitely Maybe is, <laughs> is amazing. I think I think what's the story of Morning Glory is the first album, personally. But, um, I think Champion Supernova is a good song. I do not. No, no, it's it probably goes on for too long. Yeah, I was looking, I'm looking at my list, and Morning Glory is the album that I put on the most hate songs from, so, so you've got <laughs> Wonderwall and the Joe the Back and Anger, you know, I can, I can almost appreciate them with a lot of distance, but Roll With It and Champagne Supernova, uh, roll, roll With It annoys me so, so much, and I, I think it is because it was way too much. It's, it's one of those, Roll With It and, um, and strangely, All Around the World, it just it starts and just... Oh, I, just I just get annoyed. annoyed. And, and I'm, I'm like, that's, that's not normal. normal. You know, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't be that angry at this. I think all around the world, uh, you, can, you can hear the cocaine being snorted. Because, like, <laughs> how long is this so far? Seven minutes. Give it another two minutes, guys. Okay. I was like, what? happening? <laughs> Why did this go on for so long? It's like, yeah, it's Hey Jude, isn't it, basically? It's, it's ending Hey Jude. And, like, it never was Hey Jude. We put Hey Jude. Do something else, please. Yeah, that album, I remember, because that album was, like, I was the perfect age for that hype. And I remember, like, my brother buying it on the day, which was, like, millions of people did. And I remember putting it on, and then going, oh, right. And, like, I think I like, I think I like a song called Don't Go Away. But then again, looking back, that could have been a song by a boy band. Um, I think, I can't remember what the second song's called anymore. But, yeah, I never play anymore. Um... Um, yeah, yeah, I think uh, from that album, is that a B-side called cool Stay Young? Yeah, yeah. I never bought a, an Oasis album, I think I bought, I bought a Best Of. Uh, so, I don't, I don't hate Oasis, Oasis, but have I ever played that Best Of? No. I, just, I, know, I feel like Oasis fans, uh, it's kind of culty. You know, people who are into Oasis are really into Oasis. And I, I you know, I became an adult in 2005, but I remember it, yeah, like... In, in that period, loads of loads of girls I knew being really into them. Like I, don't, I know girls have got like Oasis tattoos, and I was like, "What is going on? There is so much other interesting music going on at the moment." And yeah, I, I think I think in part, like you say, it's it's, it's the simplicity of it, and that's why punk was so great as well. And and I think I think that's a very positive thing. But I, I think it is the the mythology of Neil uh, Neil Noel and Liam as well and kind of uh and you know it, that's it like if, if you say 
if, if you're, you're so good, good enough, enough enough times you know people, people start, start to believe it and and they do but, but yeah one, one thing that i uncovered doing doing the research which made me laugh a lot because one of the stereotypes of the oasis is that they, he says liam says shine a lot and there's this amazing video which says so approximately 21 percent of all oasis songs include the word shine and it's just a cut of all this all the times liam says shine and it's it's very funny it's it's very good i've noticed a lot of 90s acts like that was the, the word of the 90s so many songs in the 90s have, have shine i have no idea why that became buzzword try and find i'm going to start listening to music from, from like the last 10 years and try and see how many times the word shine is ever mentioned <laughs> no. i mean i guess you can elongate it right like shine you know but um yeah, you can also say shite as well, aren't you, really? <laughs> but yeah, when I found that video, I was like, oh, okay, it's, it's not in my head. You know, they, they did do that a lot. And and to see, it was quite interesting to see all the different times and all the different ways it does, because it isn't, it isn't shine every single time. But yeah, that, that, that was quite fun. So I, I enjoyed that. I don't obviously hate Oasis as much as Barbara at all. I just wasn't, you know, one of the hardcore. But I was so sad. But um, Andy Bell, the one of the front men in Ride, the seminal yeah. you know, band, but I, I could see him playing bass when he is the guitar player of Ride, and I thought, that man is completely wasting his talent. He's, he's an amazing songwriter and guitar player, and he's just playing bass in Oasis. Well, honestly, you know, obviously, he was obviously making a lot of money, <laughs> but I kept thinking, like, and now he's back in Ride, doing great albums, and I was like, oh, come on, Andy. Do better than this, please. <laughs> I just think that you know, they were the perfect band at a perfect time. And if they come out maybe 10 years later, they'll just be dismissed as another indie band. You know, it's all about timing and it's all about is a hole to fill. So for example, as soon as you know, Oasis uh, broke up, the, the UK needed a hole for another rock and roll, working class, football anthem band. So you can say, hello. And, you know, I mean, Clavin took over that mantle, and, like, there's always, like, a place, in, especially in the UK, for a band that, you know, played at football uh, games, and, um, to be a dismissive band, and, yeah, now Clavin may be breaking up. <laughs> um, I wonder what bands are going to take over, that, that old, that hands in the air. Yay! I fucking love Kasabian, and I really don't want to actually <laughs> uh, it's really it's one of those ones because of, similarly you know they're a bit laddie and all this stuff and yeah, I, I remember i think it was an enemy article uh, with like oh because they were hard but they still live with their moms and i'm like that is absolutely the vibe that i'm getting off them you know just like yeah we're such tough little boys but i, I think Kasabian are fascinating because they use so much more kind of synths and electronic stuff i don't think they have a perfect album but i think all of their albums have some really, some really good songs. So yeah, it, yeah, I think you're right. It makes sense that they would be the, the inheritors of that mantle. But yes, given what the lead singer has been up to, let's see, let's see who fills the mantle and uh, comes along next. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I don't see. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Is there a band who can fill that hole in the UK? I mean, Catfish in the bottom. I mean, he's, he's he's not really. He's a bit rock and roll, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's there's a lot of kind of harder bands in a way, like Idols. Well, well, do you know, know what? In, in a way, kind of sleep for the moths is, is who I'm thinking of, but it's, it's not the same, is it? Because it's uh, it's not anthemic, but they're definitely like they are so British and so with the thing one on the pulse. Um, but they're not, yeah, balls to the wall. But you know, uh, that's one thing you've got to remember with Oasis is that lyrically, 
Ray never really sang that politics watch. Ray left it all. Ray left it there, really. No, that's true. I mean, there's not a song that you hear from Royce thinking, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's right, lads. You, you tell them, you tell them. It's not, is it? It's songs about Yeah. 
Uh, are, are they, they going to be the exact same as the Sex Pistols that I looked at now? I'm looking at the Spotify statistics. So yeah, they've got 14,248,000 listens per month. And then the 245th biggest in the world. I mean, I, I don't think they're going away. And then they've got big in America. You've got, so that, that's yeah. outside of the USA, USA as well, really. Yeah, you know, on Spotify, you've got the where people listen function. So the top is London. But the next four, Mexico City, Sao Paulo and Brazil, Santiago and Chile, and Chicago and Indonesia are the next biggest cities. So it's, <laughs> it's not Manchester. It's not It's not a city in the US. It's uh, It's all over the world. All around the world. Hey. Uh, hey. That was my list as well. I, I did not change my opinion on Oasis doing doing this podcast, but I've got, I've got to give them some grudging respect. Like there is some universality in them that just resonates with a lot of people. You know, they are a quintessentially British band and they are probably the top band that you would associate with especially kind of the mid to late 90s but they clearly resonate outside of that uh outside of that area outside of that period and yeah you've got to give them that i wonder if if a waiter came back and played a festival and you were you know near the front and you and you were singing you know live forever and uh don't back in anger top of your voice if you may suddenly start loving them i wonder because obviously the and that's, that's what, what they kind of are made with, with is, is a group sing-alongs, I guess. Okay. They're like, like a big campfire band, you know? And I, I reckon, you know, uh, for me, the crowd at live gigs is pretty much as important as the band, you know? And I'm sure that that crowd would be ecstatic. The crowd would absolutely elevate that concert, even if I didn't really like the music very much. Like I said, I sing one door at every wedding. It plays at every wedding. Every British wedding that I go to, so, you know, and I'm, yeah, I can't help myself, I'm only human. So what we're saying is that Oasis, although overrated, are not terrible. To me they're terrible, but I can I can make peace with the fact that for other people they, they mean it. You're saying with agreement that Shed 7 are a better band. I, if Shed's, I think Shed 7 should have Oasis level of fame. If Oasis hey. have an Oasis level of fame, Shed 7 can absolutely have an Oasis level of fame and they're more innovative. And I think this podcast will make that a dream come true. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Over underrated. Sous évalué. Über schätzt. Sopra sottovalutato. Over underrated. And that's it. Episode 1 is over. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And like most things in the world, we have social media. We're on Twitter at OUMusicPod and on Insta at OverUnderratedMusicPod. All one word. And if you are on email, it's OverUnderratedMusicPod at gmail.com. So let us know how we did or any topics or bands you want us to cover in the future. And don't be a dick.